Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadian to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Place of Holy Scripture, Letter to the Ephesian Church, Chapter 4, Verses 12-24 That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. And the word that I am allowed to present to you today that I have been given to present is taken from the cycle of sermons or the labors of our Apostle Brother Arkadi. And this word was preached and, and shared to us on February 24, 2017 under the name The Right to Set Aside Our Former Way of Life in order to be clothed into a new way of life. Taken from Apostle Paul, which became a commandment that have been spiritually likened to be able to hear it and to be able to fulfill it exactly. And fulfill, for the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three basic commands and verbs. These are to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. In regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy which we need, again, in the subject of His mercy. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is expressed in prayer and worship. Because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. Usually when a person talks about his own rights, notice that he never talks about his obligations. And if we are not attentive, then there is that understanding that a person is standing as if higher than the heavens. But this is not so. Our pastor, according to scripture, has shown us 
that this right we are called to give God only on His established conditions. These conditions are our conditions or obligations, fulfilling which we can be heard by God. I repeat, we can be heard by God if we fulfill our calling or obligations. One of David's prayers written in the 143rd Psalms where he gives God the right to interfere in his life with his mercy and truth will be an example for us of our inheritance. And again, this truth does have the legal norms and it has been the subject of our study. Notice that the driver's license in that country where we lived in, and you remember, it was simply called uh, the right to drive. But the presence of this right to drive in any country causes only on the roads, only with the signs, with its own rules. If we simply drive as we please, this will not work because these rights are going to be taken away from us. Same thing in the spiritual spheres, ignoring God's legislation that is presented to the person and the subject of the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. A person himself is deprived of the ability for God's interference in his life. And in order to be heard by God, for David, just as us, we needed to represent to God a certain basis or a legal right that could serve for God as evidence for the interference of mercy in David's life. And this kind of evidence in this prayer served as ten arguments, which David had brought and mentioned to God, saying, Hear my prayer. Therefore, he says, Hear my prayer, give ear to my supplications. He says, hear me because of your righteousness and truth, because I remember the days of the old and all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I trust in you. Hear me because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me for I run to you. Hear me because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy. And hear me because I am your servant. And we have stopped to study the second argument, or the first argument. This was that David had a remembrance. We stopped to study the second argument, that evidence that David remembered the days of the old and all the works of God in these days. To keep in our heart to remember it's in the days of the old and all the works of the Lord in these days. This means to keep in our heart truth and verity that testify before God the results of the great work of redemption which gives God the opportunity to demonstrate His manifold mercies in our heart. David had remembered God's works, which God had created, and he remembered them before God as an argument and as evidence, as a testimony in order to be heard by God and not man. He remembered, meaning they were already in his heart. A person usually remembers that which is in his heart. But in his heart, in David's heart, this was present. In other words, in order to be heard by God, it is necessary for us to keep in our memory a remembrance of the works of God which he made in the days of the old, which are mentioned from the beginning of Genesis 
thanks to which we arrived to the need to answer a set of questions. You've noticed that usually we are met with the same questions, four classic questions as we call them. This is like the spiritual plank of whatever we take in scripture, even in our life. Take this plank and try to place it, these questions in our life. In this case, we are going to read who or what is the remembrance of the works of God in the days of the old. Second, what purpose is the remembrance of God's works in the days of the old called to fulfill? Third, what price must we pay to remember God's works in the days of the old? And fourth, what results will follow after discovering in ourselves the remembrance of God's works in the days of the old? And today we are going to take to looking at the first question, or rather the second question. What purpose is the remembrance of God's works in the days of the old called to fulfill? which are sealed on the tablets of our heart. And the fourth component of the remembrance of the works of God in our heart is called to be the breastplate of judgment on the chest of the high priest. This item lay near the heart on the chest of the high priest and it differed from the other items that served as a remembrance before God. It differed in its status and its purpose. It serves as a continual memorial before God. many things that are remembrance before God, but the breastplate of judgment was a continual remembrance before God. Basically, when the place of worship in our heart coincides to the norms and conditions of truth expressed in the order of God's theocracy, and again, a place of worship is there where there is remembrance of God's works in the order of theocracy on which God placed a memorial to His name. Then for our entrance into the Lord's presence, we will need an element of a continual memorial before the Lord. It is important to note that if the theocratical order is lacking, then there is no place for entrance into the presence of God. Yes, we can sing, speak of God, and spend all of our life thinking that this is a faithful direction we're going in. There is... There are lots of leaders that are chosen by way of democratic votes, relative ties. If a question then is, who is in favor of? The question is not asked to God, and God will not answer this kind of a question. The best example is like how the Roman Empire had implemented the democratic question through Pilate who to present or who to let go, Christ or the other, the other criminal. They presented this not to God, but to the people. With Martha and Mary during their way, Christ went into a village. There were these two sisters there, and given that Martha and Mary had cared they had cared, and Mary had sat at his feet, and she came and said, Lord, do you have no need that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you care about a lot, but you should care about only one thing. 
Mary had selected or chosen the good portion that will not be taken away from her. Did Mary vote in herself? Of course not. Notice that voting does not always choose things correctly. God and man usually have differing views, just like Samuel in his time who had looked at the children of the sons of Jesse. And God provided him a lesson that he must not look at the face but at the heart. And God's eyes were directed to the heart of David. And the heart of David had the veil of the acceptance of the authority of his father from the very beginning. And therefore, it was he alone who had tended to the flock of his father. He alone had acknowledged his authority with all his heart. He alone had protected his pure thinking when he had killed the lion and the bear and had taken the sheep that had belonged to the father. And this means that he alone had understood his father, which as a result means that he alone protected the people going out against Goliath. He alone was king, priest, and prophet who had taken on the ephod and had spoken to God through Urim and Thummim. In the life of David, we see our spiritual man, king, priest, and prophet. This principle works today in the same way. From the very beginning, we need to see who our spiritual father is and be able to tend to his thoughts and be able to follow him. At the beginning, we had a veil over our face when we may not agree with many things until our heart has a veil on it because the veil is either on our face or it is going to be on our heart expressing the acknowledge the knowledge acknowledgement of authority and this veil is taken by Christ himself when we begin to accept the authority of the person sent in our life to God and in doing so we are able to hear the revelation of the Lord God's revelation for saints of the last days regarding the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies at the door of hope about what is called to happen with our bodies, which never represented any kind of significance for us, but they did have significance for God. We heard this revelation, accepted it, and collaborate with it. In doing so, demonstrating our open eyes. So without acknowledging God's authority in the church, this veil is found on the face of a person. On his eyes and then he looks and says all that we hear we see things differently we often step into contact conflict and through our intellect the sworn promises we do not accept we're not happy with everything going on around us and the words of the man sent by God are also unknown to us but as soon as we begin to accept this person who presents for us the fatherhood of God in doing so the veil is taken from our eyes and into our heart through this we speak of the acknowledgement of God's order and only then we begin to understand God's words according to the measure of our faith which is closely tied to the measure of our dedication and this means that as soon as we hear from someone that this is not so and here pastor or here pastor said this incorrectly why did he react like this to me and 
to another person another way. In this place of scripture does not mean this or that. And this means that the veil is on our face and our spiritual eyes are closed. And this means that a person is simply spiritually blind. Placing the veil from our face, many that have left our church have ceased to understand what was heard, although at one time they had rejoiced in this. And all of a sudden they say, we are now enlightened. No, you have simply gone blind. You have stopped understanding the words of God. When people say, what is this? When they had looked at the manna, at the heavenly bread that came from heaven, God cherishes His word and this promise. He did not allow them to hear. We know that the words of God are also expressed in the language of time and the language of eternity. A person living on earth measures things with time, and he understands and speaks that which he sees in time. But God speaks with a person with the language of eternity, but in time. And when a person begins to believe in that which God has said, in doing so, he begins to trust God to proclaim with his lips what he has heard and the word that he has accepted, and then it he begins to understand the words of eternity. He gains faith through which he pleases God. And we hear pastors say, today we will look at the breastplate of judgment that we must always carry in our heart to serve as a continual memorial before God. Because only in Christ Jesus we are holy priests. Just as he is a high priest, we also are high priests in him. And this is under the condition that we have a breastplate of judgment. And this means that we have a continual remembrance, which gives us the opportunity to go to come to the Lord. And this gives God the opportunity to hear us. We are filled with His memory or with His remembrance. And it is in our heart and in our proclamations. He is faithful, therefore thus He has said, that which we hear, we must proclaim. And this means that this is directly related to the heart of a person. And the material, the makeup, the measurements, the means of the breastplate of judgment, we can receive only one way, through edification or instruction in faith. Without revelation from above, we know that the people are not bridled, but for us, instruction in faith is our price. Instruction in faith is the price of our, is the price that we pay, do we accept this instruction or not? We need to create this breastplate of judgment and place it on our heart. And this is our holy role and our responsibility before God. And we endure this. There is, inst there is instruction or edification in faith during every service. And so as breastplate of judgment as a symbol of a continual memorial before God is a format of a continual prayer. And we know that the strongest kind of prayer is a continual prayer. And it is that kind of prayer that is not interrupted by sin. I paid attention to this, how God had asked Cain, why is your face cast down? He had not yet done anything, but he was upset. He grew upset and his face was cast down. This tie between him and God was broken. And he 
God had instructed Cain, but Cain did not pay the price for this instruction. And God, in ancient times, as well as today, he answers a continual prayer, for he yesterday and today is the same. And the most importantly is for us to not be dependent on our feelings or reasons for a question. Why is God quiet? I need the answer today. Apostle Arkady, two, this was the 17th and the 24th of March in 2000 and, uh, 2014. He had presented information about the reasons for unanswered prayer. I advise you to listen to both of these sermons. 2013, March 24th and 17th of 2013. I am telling you what I had endured what I prayed about and I had not heard any kind of prayer I thought that he hears everyone else but me I had this feeling and perhaps someone says God answered me this way or God told me this but this did not happen with me I had not yet known about that pit, that death of Christ. I did not know that I can hide and be hidden from all of these arrows. These were the, and it were the enemies that were inside, those that had attacked me and did not give me the opportunity to see myself in a correct light. I was found in situations where I needed an answer right away, but for some reason there was no answer to my prayer, and I was not satisfied with such a state, and I had suffered from it. But what's important is by dwelling in obedience and hearing to the word in the church began to change me. A spiritual knowledge and also the format of my need began to change. And through a certain time, I began to see this situation in a completely different light, in a completely different way. And there was a kind of inner peace knowing that, well, perhaps God didn't answer me. He was unchanging, but I had changed in relation to my need and in relation to His perfect will. There was always an assessment of values, and this changes our goals of values. And there is quiet joy that comes, which is an answer to prayer sometimes. And it turns out that sometimes I hear an answer from the pulpit when we hear a word that's for everybody, but I hear an answer specifically to me, to my need. You remember the example with the widow who had come with her need to be protected to be protected and when she had continually come up and he himself had said these were his thoughts he did not speak them he had these thoughts although I do not fear people I will protect her so that she does not come to me anymore How do you think the Heavenly Father, who had paid with the price of the life of His Son, who loves us, will He not answer to such a prayer? And I had thought about this. I understood that I am coming to the Lord. We know that in Christ there is no male or female gender. We know that, and I understood that I'm a person sitting in this place, pastors representing the church, uh, the professor representing the Father. I am in this state of the woman in the moment accepting the seed but I didn't see the main 
this was the widow. I did not meet the requirements of a widow, and God, from my position, did not hear me. My old man, my husband, was found in a legal union with me, meaning in legal relations. For the divorce letter, I had not yet given to the old man. Our relative relations with our old man will will affect our prayer. Prayer that has petitions such as, give me, please, I need this, I need that, this does not meet the requirements of a continual prayer. Their prayers must be filled with the will of God. Prayer, as pastor teaches, must be made according to the statute, and if it is made according to the statute, then God is going to answer it. And the way or the path of the answer is God's prerogative. And if He right away has not answered us with the language of time, He will answer us with the language of eternity, which we are called to understand when we have the veil over our heart. Despite the program of the fallen cherubim and his attempt to deprive us of this veil, for us to for us to become blind, we must understand that speaking from this trembling place that I am on at right now, if we the thoughts that. I receive, I have written them, and prayer that does not coincide with the conditions and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have any right to be called a prayer. Only the form of a continual prayer gives us the right to enter into the sanctuary as kings and priests to God, who are called to present the interests of God's judgment, judgment according to those commandments and statutes that are yielded by the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and two precious stones in the names of the twelve sons of Israel written on these stones. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. It's very important that prayer that in sorrow is going to be brought with thanksgiving. This is going to mean that we believe in the final result. We have gained it in the invisible sense, in the acceptance of the language of eternity which we must accept. Because only in continual prayer we demonstrate true faith calling the inexistent as existent. And this is going to pay God's attention to our faithfulness to His Word. Consistence in prayer tied to vigilance which is presented in the status of the faithful commandment to find the state and atmosphere of our burning lamp. And it burns because it is vigilant, and it is vigilant because in it there is the presence of oil. And therefore watch, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke twenty-one thirty-six. And the order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains a sequence. What, when, and how we are supposed to do it so that we can answer to the conditions of God's worshippers whom God searches for Himself. And for this, we must first dwell in God's order. If we break the order of this sequence, then the breastplate of judgment that yields a state and nature of a worshipper, or the inner state of a worshipper, cannot be called a breastplate of judgment. John 4, 23-24 
For the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And to worship the Father in spirit and truth, it is necessary to be a true worshipper according to the state of the heart. And here is the main essence that is expressed in prayer, in which a person speaks the truth in his heart. With the lips we can say one thing, but with the heart a person says might say another. The two times David writes, and the foolish had said in his heart. The foolish didn't say anything. He had said this in his heart. For God, this is enough. All that comes from the heart. And therefore, based on motives we speak in our heart, which in practice means to not damage the truth in the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture, that many did before and many continue to do, due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or their jealousy. And so to always be vigilant in prayer and in this manner to meet the requirements of the state of a true worshiper, we begin to study the order and makeup of the breastplate of judgment in that sequence in which it is presented in Scripture. Exodus chapter 28 verses 15 through 16. You shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. And fine woven linen you shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square. A span shall be its length and a span shall be its width. Exodus 28 verses 15 through 16. We have noted that in the Septuagint the breastplate of judgment is called a sign of justice. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of a person that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. And by pastor it was presented to us the exact definition and the characteristics of dead works, that they are done not that they are done through virtue, through which We must remember that salvation is given as a gift of grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. And so-called good works are a result, or rather good works or virtue is a result of the righteousness that we have accepted in which we express our gratitude to God. We had heard um, from our pastor on 25th of November of 2022 the definition of, of dead works. Thus, it is the conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the seal on the tablets of truth and verity that will yield the nature of true worshippers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. The Heavenly Father searches for these worshippers for Himself. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Ignorance in the knowledge of truth. And truth is expressed in what? Truth is expressed in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. It will not allow man to worship in the flesh in his conscience that has not been cleansed from dead works. The teaching of Jesus Christ 
will cleanse us from dead works. Because in his conscience or in the conscience of a person, there lacks the truth in the subject of a breastplate of judgment that yields the right to enter into the presence of God to represent the perfect will of God. So to present the perfect will of the Father, we need to have a breastplate of judgment. As much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we in a certain format have already looked at the measurement and material from which the breastplate of judgment was to be built. And we have stopped to study the next condition in the makeup of the breastplate of judgment, which says, And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a carbuncle, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, and a gate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with his its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. And we must remember that the names of the sons of Israel were engraved on the inside, and they were facing the heart of the high priest, but outwardly they were precious stones that represented the properties and the names of God. This is that program with which we are called to collaborate. This is not like a decoration that is worn or something that is worn as a reward. A high priest is not a reward. Therefore, that which we are called to come to is that program that is called to collaborate with us. Each stone represents a certain nature, a certain property, and a certain title of God. Today, not all stones are precious in the eyes of those who classify themselves and who study them and who use them. By doing these, they speak with us with the language of time. But we turn our eyes to the language of eternity and look at the precious properties and characteristics that are inherent in our Lord, which we are called to also gain. In this program that we are called to enter, representing ourselves in the breastplate of judgment out of precious stones, out of gold, out of blue and scarlet thread, and out of woven linen. The precious stones were called to be placed in golden settings. And therefore, it was necessary, just as with the shoulders, to prepare and interweave twelve gold settings on the breastplate of judgment in four rows by three. In this manner, the twelve golden settings interweaved, interweaved in the breastplate of judgment prepared for the twelve precious stones that coincided with the measurement of the twelve golden settings, meaning each of these precious stones had to coincide to the measure of the golden settings, so that it can be exactly placed in them. This is a very carefully woven work. These golden settings cannot be made to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones were called to be carved to exactly be able to fit into the twelve golden settings. In a certain, uh, in a certain way, we are these precious stones, and we also have these precious stones. Under the truth of the Word of God, we, we must be carved through instruction in, fa in faith. The Lord Himself, through His messengers, creates from gold that Word that is going to represent these golden settings which we hear today. 
And for us, now we have the work of being able to carve ourselves to that measure of holiness that we are hearing about. We can't do anything to change the golden settings themselves. These golden settings can't be carved to fit our own desires, our own individuality. We carve ourselves with our obedience, with our submission to the word that we hear. In doing so, as scripture says, we do not distort the word of God as many others do. People, firstly, they do not accept God's anointed one, and this means that their word is not an authority for them. And this means that the work with the golden settings will, or the precious stones will not be present. Therefore, the precious stones has a price, but after them being carved, they have a completely different price. These golden settings that are interwoven into the breastplate of judgment, this is an image of the judgment of God and the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, written on the tablets of our heart, which we, as worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. And David said, For you have made my insides and have woven me in the womb of my mother. Therefore, looking at the stones, the settings, the thread we must understand that this is the subject of our study of the language of eternity that what we are called to collaborate with god so to whom does god turn to to be able to prepare the breastplate of judgment i will read exodus 28 3 and say to all the wise in heart to all the wise in heart with whom i have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they can make for Aaron holy garments for his dedication, so that he can be a priest unto me. This is God's direct words to Moses, that he can turn not to the professionals that have concluded biblical colleges, but to the wise in heart who are filled with the wisdom of God, who were anointed by God to prepare the holy garments to the true disciples who heard the voice of God and had left all, including their denomination, the house of their father, their vain life, everything that was in their way. But this gave the opportunity to be a disciple and to enter into collaboration with the preached word of the person who has been empowered by God to create these holy garments of a warrior of prayer. There is something that must be spoken through our proclamation with which will allow us to fulfill our calling. We are talking about the golden settings for the precious stones. What does the word setting mean? The dictionary says this, it is it is something that serves as a place for sleep, living, and the carrying of eggs. It is that place where one can find rest, where he can, where I can live, where I can bring fruit, where I can help someone and be an example for someone. Furthermore, the twelve precious stones with the engravings of the names of the sons of Israel is an image in the format of a continual prayer that represents the perfect judgments of God. In practice, a continual prayer that represents the perfect judgments of God is called to occur through the proclamation of the faith of our heart. The location of the precious stones on the breastplate of judgment in, four, in rows of four by three are well looked at in the twelve foundational walls of the New Jerusalem, as well as the location of the twelve gates, three on the four sides of New Jerusalem.
What from one position? On the breastplate of judgment on the twelve precious stones, the names of the twelve sons of Israel are engraved in a different order than the twelve gates of the new Jerusalem. And therefore, the breastplate of judgment in the twelve precious stones carries a different purpose and content than the twelve foundations of the wall and the twelve gates of New Jerusalem that are built out of one whole gem. For example, the twelve foundations of the wall of New Jerusalem, fulfilled in the virtue of the twelve precious stones, are called to serve as the main foundation of our salvation. whose functions are intended to bring us to perfection that is equivalent to the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Songs of Solomon 8.10 I am a wall, and my breast like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. When we build our homes, Usually a house begins to be built as we know from the foundation and there's a lot of attention that is paid on it, paid to it because depending on the place where this home is found, depending on where this house will stand, depending on the height, depending on the weight, there is a lot of attention paid specifically to the foundation. And then the time passes when everything is covered with uh, land and bark dust and no one could see this foundation, but it is always used the whole structure is on this foundation. People live in it and never think about this. Therefore, when we are talking about that which we are called to build on, I am a wall, it says here. A wall is the teaching. The teaching itself is it is the basis. It is that foundation that we are immersed into at every service. And talking about this foundation, the first foundation, if you remember, this was the doctrine of baptisms, and this was the doctrine of baptism in water. I remember, I, a Baptist, and I don't say that I'm not a Baptist today, but Baptists say Pentecostals are not spiritual because they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, or baptized. But having been Baptized? I didn't understand what it meant to be baptized. This isn't just I was immersed, I went in dry, came out wet. This is talking about the state and us being located in the death of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, being found in death, it is on this foundation we can build something. Therefore, the wall of the great city, city is made out of jasper doctrine of water baptism meaning we must dwell in this death and we remember well that a wall represents an image of perfection the 12 gates of the new jerusalem each carrying the virtue of one gemstone and remember how it became a gemstone or a pearl what happened the pearl dwelling in these trials it, this made her a, a gem she did not, she continued to dwell in this death, and this death being found in her made her precious. And as a result, this became a wall or gates through which we can enter into this city, representing the image of a living sacrifice 
called to serve as the testimony of our dwelling in the trials with Christ, the functions of which are called to serve as the key that opens a path to the tree of life, which yields the kingdom of heaven in our heart. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed one upon me. Luke 22, verses 28 through 29. What are trials? Trials is um, if a suffering. And Brother Arkady provides a definition that trials are the key to the to the door hole. This is the key that opens to the tree of life. And that which we had heard not long ago from Brother Daniel, that this is the mark of God, that he will not allow access to resurrection of a person does not go through trials, through death. Only when a vessel is broken, just like as Christ was broken, only then the church will receive the legitimate right to proclaim that word expressed in the price, that together with it she can share the reward. Just like today, we dwell in the trials of Apostle Brother Arkadi, and this we expressed with the language of time, but the language of eternity so that is so that we can together share in his reward in eternity if we dwell in faith and if we demonstrate faithfulness and together with these people and through these people God is going to affirm us in Christ Jesus through the instruction of which we can inherit all of the precious promises that are placed on our account in Christ Jesus God is going to grow us not just through these people but together with these people, God, through his messengers, gives all promises, yes and amen, in Christ Jesus, and he uses them. Remember, a pastor had said before the words of Apostle Paul in relation to himself, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This contrition, these trials are like the key to the door, hole, door hole that opens the door to the tree of life and to the tree of life that yields the kingdom of heaven. And our reaction to what is occurring is going to define our position the position of faithfulness the position of consistency the position of patience therefore we endure these trials together sufferings together together we cry which means that we are going to also rejoice together this is how the body is defined if one member suffers all suffer if one is praised all are and you are the body of Christ 1 Corinthians 12, 26-27. Furthermore, the tall precious stones on the breastplate of judgment are called to present us as God's worshippers who abide in a continual prayer. In practice, a continual prayer that flows from the heart of man is intended to represent the interests of the perfect will of God. A continual prayer is an expression of our trust in God, which on the tablets of our heart is represented or is presented in the twelve precious stones with the engravings of the names of the twelve patriarchs placed in the golden settings of the breastplate of judgment. Hebrews 10.35 Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward, or do not cast away your trust which has great reward. Do not cast away means to continually pray, to not cease, to not let go from our hands. 
and in this kind of state we must have a dependence on the Word of God as well as the Holy Spirit. The inner state of looking upon the surrounding circumstances not from the position of our intellect, which sees everything and proclaims only with the language of time and experience, but from the position of dependence on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, which is constantly turning to us with the language of eternity. And this is our great reward. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with the angels, and then He will give to everyone according to His works. Our works are expressed in our trust in the Word. This is what our work is comprised of, which belongs to God. But it has been presented to us by the person of God, and we have accepted this word, which expresses God's will for us. And this has become our work, our dedication. We began to have the weight, together a weight with this. Meaning we began to collaborate with this word, and it began to collaborate with us. And this is our work in order to grow into the full measure of the stature of Christ. To destroy the program of the fallen cherubim in our life, to be clothed into a new body, and to not run to missionary fields to do humanitarian works, and as they say, to do all this. These are dead works for us. In this manner, we rely not on our own labors, but we rely on the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit meaning this is our dependence. The Holy Spirit works or collaborates only in the boundaries of the Word of God. And the Word without the Holy Spirit does not work. It is dead. And the letter that is going to simply kill, it doesn't matter where we will read it from, from the New Testament, from the Old Testament, if there is no Spirit, it will kill. The Spirit of life comes when it meets the requirements of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Why was there no Spirit of life in the Law of Moses? Those that had tried to fulfill it, they, there was no main thing. There was no ministry of justification. It was the ministry of condemnation, the condemnation of death. And the ministry of justification is this ministry of life. There where there is the power of resurrection. And I turn to you with the words, Christ has written to you. This is the ministry of justification. The twelve precious stones on the breastplate of judgment in relation to our continual prayer is evidence of our trust in God that gives us the right to know and abide in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. And it's important to remember that the breastplate of judgment is the good conscience of a person that is already cleansed of dead works through the twelve base teachings. It is impossible to begin to prepare the breastplate of judgment without having a wise heart that is already immersed in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. It turns out that first we tended to the sheep of our Father. We then fought. We had taken away these pure thoughts from the lion and the bear. We were met with Goliath if we had this. 
and we were anointed by Samuel. And then, again, this is the building of our new man. If all of this existed and happened, then there were the 12 teachings. It was studied, it was learned, we were found in it, we lived according to it, and only then we could begin to prepare the breastplate of judgment. Therefore, we speak with the language of eternity when we present that we must do this. Thus, if in our heart will not be engraved New Jerusalem with the presence of the walls that are made up of 12 foundations and 12 gates that are comprised of a pearl, we don't have this. This breastplate of judgment will not exist. It will simply not exist. We will not have any opportunity to build a relation with God on the level of a breastplate of judgment. Take a look at how high the plank is. We will we need to meet the requirements of the breastplate of judgment, the level of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve precious stones and Dorim and Tumim that give us the legal right to enter before the face of the Lord and represent His perfect judgments. And to better understand how building ourselves into a breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart will be a constant holiness and memorial before God in the subject of our constant prayers where we receive the right to call on God. And the names of the sons of Israel engraved on the precious stones, like on the seals on the priests on the breastplate of judgment, are supposed to be written on the tablets of our heart in the order of their birth. Because the precious stones that are placed in the golden settings on the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart will testify of our virtue and our rights before God. So the precious stones on the tablets of our heart is evidence of our virtue and our rights before God. Our virtue and our rights. The names of the sons of Israel that are engraved on the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment are called to demonstrate our properties and functions before God that are yielded by constant prayers which serve as a continual memorial before God, giving Him the right to continually work through us on planet Earth. We have noted that according to the Hebrew meanings of the twelve precious stones on the breastplate of judgment, demonstrated certain names of God with which a true worshipper of God was called to cooperate with. And the twelve names of the sons of Jacob demonstrated the properties and functions that a worshipper of God was intended to have. Matthew 16 verses 18 through 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not the key, but the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And these keys, there are twelve of them. The twelve gates, trials with Christ. Just like the twelve properties, the twelve principles, which a continual prayer is endowed with. And these are the keys that we are going to open and it is necessary for us to uncover these 12 gates. And therefore, it continues to say that uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We are already 
filled uh, we already know uh, with a translation of this that on heaven on earth will be allowed that which is allowed in heaven the keys to the kingdom of heaven that allow us to bind on earth that God has bound in the heavens are 12 principles that a continual prayer is supposed to have principles that are contained in the images of the 12 precious stones on the breastplate of judgment and so the breastplate of judgment contains the same order that the, uh, that does the makeup of the 12 walls of heavenly Jerusalem and the 12 pearly gates but with different functions and different purpose and before we begin to look at the 12 elements of a true worshiper that allow us to worship in spirit and truth we will answer that the greatness of the temple for was for one subject and it served only one subject this was the ark of the covenant inside of which lay the law and god said i will be uncovered for you over the lid of the ark just like the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one holy object which was called to double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark this is Urim and Thummim. The golden ark of the covenant and the breastplate of judgment figuratively represented the contents of a person that had been cleansed of dead works. Urim and Thummim is light and perfection, light and right, or revelation and truth, which is one and the same. The Decalogue placed inside of the ark of the covenant was truth. And this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as Thumim. The revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as Urim. Therefore, worshippers of God could only be a person who had a conscience that was cleansed from dead works, or a wise heart on the tablets of which truth was sealed in the subject of Thumim. The teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, in which we are again immersed and have dwelling in our heart, this is Thumim. And then the Holy Spirit will see the evidence of this Thumim in our heart or will uncover the significance. And this is our responsibility to place it there. Then He begins to move through Odim. He begins to uncover that which is in our heart. Why do people try to understand many things with their head? Only because they do not have the meme. They don't have the whole teaching. They have. They do not have the whole teaching, and the Holy Spirit can't uncover anything for these kind of people. The Holy Spirit does not uncover the word in those who do not have the meme. In order for the Holy Spirit to uncover the word, we need to accept the word from the person sent by God and to keep it there regardless of our own understandings. We must understand who has spoken this word because we have heard it with the language of eternity. Sometimes we understand with the language of time language of eternity it's sometimes difficult for us to understand these thoughts therefore we ought to simply accept it to keep it 
and to keep it so that we do not let it go. And that which we understand in time, we must use so that it does not just lay as a knowledge that is going to simply just be puffed up before other saints. But that which we do not understand, we must keep on the golden table until the next Sabbath. And only by dwelling in it and meeting its, meeting its requirements, and we must proclaim that which is on the golden table of showbreads, which belongs to us. There will come a time we will not just wait for the revelation, but will collaborate with that word that is found in the lamp. Not just to know about it, but to live according to it. We can know a lot about Christ, but not live according to Christ. Thus, in the language of eternity, Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject of Urim can only abide in the boundaries of truth that were represented by Thamim in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. And this is only in the boundaries of truth. As it is written, Exodus 31, 6, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Wise is that person that took that word, that placed it in himself, this Thumim, and the presence of this Thumim, including this kept word, activates and gives the opportunity and the ability to meet with Urim. And so the first precious stone of the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart, yielding our dignity before God as his worshiper, through which he can express his interests on planet earth, there served as a continual memorial before God in the dignity of the name Reuben. And this precious stone, this first precious stone was a sardius stone. Genesis 49.3 Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. We must remember that we right now are studying the uh, essence of a worshiper. Who am I are called to be? Who am I called to be so that God could hear me? Natural. The Sardius stone is the most valuable, is one of the most valuable stones on earth. In nature, it's very rare that there are perfect Sardius stones. In 2006, on February 15th, there was a famous London jeweler that had paid a record price, 492,000 pounds for each carat of 8.6 carats of uh, ruby or sardius. In our currency, this is $4,450,000, roughly. And each precious stone had demonstrated a property of God expressed in a certain name or in a certain title of God. And it also pointed to a person himself. Each person redeemed by God, born of God, is in the likeness of him. 
and he is a precious stone. Precious stones for us are an image of who God is, who his property, what his properties are, who his children are. And that which happens here, instruction and faith, there is this, these settings of precious stones so that we can coincide with this word, so that we can enter into these golden settings so that we can coincide and be in this breastplate of judgment. Precious Sardius stone demonstrated the essence of God in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is according to certain Judaic rabbis, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This name of God means that He is the King and Lord of only those saints that reign and that rule over their calling, that expressed is expressed firstly. And we must understand that rulership and governance must happen over ourselves because our kings is a king to only those people who have become kings over themselves who have learned how to rule over themselves which points to the fact that in order to be a worshiper of god it is necessary to have the property and the dignity of a kind of king and a kind of master and the lord rules over those people who have studied and who know his laws. According to the meaning of the name Reuben, engraved of the precious Sardius stone of the breastplate of judgment, which is the might and the beginning of the strength of God, it follows. So the first principle that is laid as the foundation of this is worship or prayer in which we, as those hallowed unto God, are called to represent ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for a continual memorial before God. The essence of a continual prayer in the name Reuben means that the functions of this kind of worship is called to be expressed in worship to God. And we are called to be those who are clothed in the dignity of tithes, meaning to represent ourselves as tithes to God so that we can serve as a continual remembrance before God and separate ourselves. Just as tithes are separated, we are His belonging, which means that we are separated. We are separated from the world, from our household, from our carnal life. Just like we separate our tithes in the format of tithes for God so that we can be united with them. And this kind of realization and desire to be consecrated is seen as our separation from all that defines God's property in the face of our nation, or rather all of that which defies God's property in the face of our nation, household, and our desires. And this call to occur through our cooperation, the taking up of our cross with the cross of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me and died to the world. Otherwise, offering ourselves as firstfruits to God, clothed in the format of tithes, cannot be viewed by God as worship to God, and it cannot be a continual memorial before His face. Honor God with all that you have, and your house shall be filled, and your vats shall be filled with new vine. 
Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. And here we are talking about how we have separated ourselves as tithes for the Lord, as servants of the Lord. The most faithful state in which we can present ourselves before God is to be a servant ready to accept His will. A prayer that a person does not, in which a person does not present himself as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God for reasonable service, is abominable to the Lord and cannot be called and be viewed as worship. Because a person searches not for God or His will that is expressed in the inheritance of the treasures that he can receive only when collaborating his cross with the cross of Christ. But he is seeking his own benefit and his own blessing for material prosperity outside of his collaboration of his cross with the cross of Christ as Cain had sought. That is why for clothing ourselves into a true worshippers and the precious sardius stone with the engraving of the name Reuben, it is necessary to place the deposit of our salvation to circulation, meaning to place ourselves in the death of the Lord Jesus. When making a covenant with Him in baptism in water, the standard of which is serve, are served as the waters of Noah. A pastor was noted that these waters of Noah were related to a person who were made a living sacrifice, and therefore he himself voluntarily presented himself on an altar of the Lord as a tithe and has separated himself for the Lord. For we have separated ourselves from our nation, our household, our life, which we took and separated from, and we become a living sacrifice and we lay ourselves on the altar we have, where we have been deprived of our nation, household, and our own corrupt desires, that which used to warm us before, that which surrounded us before, that which we grew up in, where we found human comfort in. Without a skin as the largest organ, because the skin of a person is known as the largest organ in the organism of a person, A person cannot live, but we do not die. We live. In doing so, we reign over ourselves when we rip our living skin off. And when this happens, we dwell in the death of the Lord Jesus. The state of dwelling and death carries a feeling of abandonment. Just as Christ said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? But we, being found in Christ, we have the same feelings, we feel that same abandonment, loneliness, deep loneliness. Those near to us, they seem that they do not understand us. And this is sometimes very unfortunate. For God turned His face from us and does not hear us in this state, but we know that the time will come and He will turn to us. This depends on our knowledge. Just like Job had knowledge, he himself had said, For now I know that my Redeemer lives.
His wife had said, spoke against him. Therefore, Job's knowledge who God is for him had strengthened him and had kept him strong. How did Noah feel when the waters of the flood had covered the ark, which although he remained living in, but the word of God said that he dwelled in death? He was tossed to and fro. I will place the stones on your ruins. And here we see the precious sardius stone. Having been immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus, we will be able to wait for him in resurrection so that we can be resurrected with him. And it will make your foundation out of sapphire and windows out of rubies. Like pomegranates, this is the color of ruby, the color of blood, the color of wine. We must look through these windows. Make your windows out of rubies and your gates out of pearls. Isaiah 54 verses 8 through 12. From this place of scripture, it follows that we as worshipers of God can have the dignity of rubies with the name Reuben. For this we need to, in the death of Christ, be immersed in the waters of Noah that had represented the anger of God. Only when God satisfies the requirements of His holiness in the heat of His anger over in the death of Christ, in which we were immersed through water baptism in the dignity of rubies, this will become as the basis for us being built up in God as His worshippers, and then it's going to be the material for building our windows, which are the eyes of our heart. The windows are the eyes of our heart. This is our thinking, which we can focus on the invisible. When we look at the invisible, what kind of eyes do we need to look at the invisible? Of course, with the eyes of our heart. And when we do this, God says, I will make your windows out of ruby. And they're going to be precious in the eyes of God. Therefore, we must always look at the invisible because a spiritual person focuses at the invisible, ponders upon it, lives according to it. That which is seen by us are the language of time. This is our illness, our dependencies, our age falls. And this brings us to horror. And then there's lots of questions. When will this pass? And all of this will happen and while, while we remain hidden in the death of the Lord Jesus. We need to take off the old man with his works. And Brother Arkad denoted that when we are going to be clothed in resurrection, collaborating with the language of eternity at this time, our windows must be at a ru ruby because our figurative, our figurative thinking defines us being clothed into the new man. Therefore, the eyes of the heart of a person, of a true worshippers, are supposed to represent the powers of God in the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think that I will conclude with this and we will pray. We will thank our Heavenly Father for that word which the Holy Spirit has placed in the heart of our Father. We are continuing to be immersed in it, to dwell in it, to live according to it, to tremble before this word and be thankful that we have this kind of portion. Amen. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, who is just, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your only Son, and our Lord and Savior. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, to be in this trembling place, this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that according to your mercy we have not disappeared, for your mercy has not dwindled. It has renewed in t- today as well. For great is your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you, Father, that at one time you delivered us from the vain life of our fathers, you delivered us from the law of sin and death, and you placed a new law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, collaboration with this word that we hear which you give the opportunity to not just hear it but to tend to this word to ponder upon it to take to protect it from that which resists it we thank you for this word which we are built by which we live according to and we thank you that we are able to fight with the lion and the bear We thank you that we have despised the laws of man but have loved your law. Therefore, we rejected our intellect. He became a servant for us. And we began to worship you. And we thank you for that word that rules over us. We thank you for the opportunity to submit ourselves because this word that we are immersed into, it is not a slogan, it is the authority in all spheres of our life. I worship you, Lord, for this. I thank you, Lord, for that calling which you call us to, to be clothed in a worshiper, as a worshiper, king, priest, and prophet where we can demonstrate authority over our perishable body. I thank you that together with the saints, say that we consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. We thank you, Lord, for that mind of Christ, which relates to the rational sphere of our new man, which is the image of a golden lamp that stands in our sanctuary. And we thank you. For those promises that we begin to proclaim, that we begin to live according to, and that we begin to be immersed into, we thank you for those stones of the altar that are already gathered, and we again are immersed in the study of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. And I thank you, Father, that we have this privilege and that we have despised all of that which has come from our flesh. And that word, which changes firstly us inside, and however good we may try to be, without the work of the Word and the Holy Spirit, nothing will come of this. I know, Lord, that only in the death of the Lord Jesus, together with your people, we can be hidden from the arrows of the Malachites, Midianites, and those that dwell in the east. We thank you that dwelling 
in death we find protection, we find rest, we find your care and your love, which you turn to your children. I thank you, Lord, for the apostle, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, for the great gifts in the church. I thank you for our pastor, Brother Arkadi, and I thank you, Father, for that total restoration of his physical strength, for that meeting that we are going to have upon this place, for your divine blessing. May he, his spouse, and his whole household be blessed. We thank you for this fellowship in which we can bow down before you, thank you, and say, you are our God, you are our strength, our rock, fortress, deliver, our rock, shield, the horn of our salvation, and our refuge. We will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and you will deliver us from our enemies. As our Lord lives, our rock, we shall not stumble forever and for eternity. May glory be to you, honor, and worship our all-loving Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us together proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>